Well, believe it or not, we are still in the middle of a meandering conversation that we are calling Back to the Future. And uh, this conversation is really designed to process what it looks like to re-enter a post-pandemic world. And like we said seven some odd weeks ago, and I don't need to convince any of you of this, the world we left in March is not the same world we are going back into now and in the coming days. And we want to ask the question, as a church, what does it look like for us to re-enter and to re-engage a post-pandemic world in a way that makes history and makes heaven smile? Um, and in order to do that, we, we started this conversation just working our way through Romans chapter 12, this beautiful, powerful passage of scripture that gives us really practical directives of how we can live, yea, verily, even thrive, even in an upside down world. And uh, we, we want to kind of go back to Romans chapter 12 and this time just pace ourselves a, a little more, slow down and dial in on some of those practical, practical um, teachings and practices that Paul gives to us. Um, as I reread this passage of scripture, it occurred to me that, man, this chapter of scripture applies probably more so now than it would have even just a few weeks ago. So if you have a copy of the Bible, just meet me right there. Romans chapter 12. We're going to start reading at verse number one. Romans chapter 12, verse one. Here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I don't know what struck you as we reread this section of scripture, but when I reread it, I was drawn to the last phrase in that passage. Paul says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then, well, when, when is this then? Because I want to know when then is. Um, because apparently there is a then when it becomes possible to start to know what God wants for my life. Paul says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Now, the words test and approve are actually just one word in the Greek language. And um, it's a word that means to be able to recognize something as genuine. There is a then 
when it becomes possible to begin to recognize God's will for my life, to decipher God's paths for my life, to distinguish God's voice from all of the noise that's echoing around me, to discern when God wants me to do something, to discern what God wants for me beyond what God wants for everybody else. Because again, the reason I have to learn to discern is, is because whatever Paul is speaking about is not obvious. It requires an ability to evaluate and recognize something as genuine. This isn't talking about God's obvious orders for everyone. No, I know what he wants for everyone because he reveals that clearly in his word. Um, even though sometimes we make it more complicated than we need to. This is talking about God's specific orders for me. It's talking about the decisions that are not clearly wrong. They're not clearly right. They kind of are multiple choice. They could go either way. And Paul is saying there is a then when I'm able to discern God's voice in the middle of all of that noise. And um, I'm just asking, don't you want that then, though? <laughs> I know I do. Uh, when you can know this is what God is, is saying to me. This is the path God is lighting up for me. In fact, that feels pretty crucial in a time like this, right? I mean, does God want you to send your kids back to school? Or does he want you to keep them home? Do you know? Are you just guessing? Do you know? Does God want you to, to downsize? Or does he want you to trust him? And, and, and to trust that things are going to bounce back? So just go ahead and keep up your standard of living. Do you know? Does God want you to wear a mask? Does God want you to not wear a mask? Because there's no verse about that, believe it or not. Hmm. Does God want you to vaccinate your family or would he rather you stayed away from any of that nonsense, any of that craziness? Do you know? Does he want us to take COVID seriously or does he not? Does God want us to reopen and fully re-engage all of our churches as a gesture of faith in, in him? Because after all, he will build his church. Or does he want us to be a little bit more cautious in our approach? Do you know? Do you know what God wants? Does God want you to pursue that relationship a little more seriously? Or to actually walk the other way? Come on, don't you want to live life led? 
Don't you want to live life with some ability to discern the paths down which God is leading me? Paul says there is a then when it's possible to be dialed into the voice of God even in the midst of all of the craziness and all of the noise. And he gives us some principles if you're at all interested in, in what it looks like to learn to discern. Here's the first one um, that I saw in this passage of scripture. By the way, curious to know as you study his word, what things the spirit reveals to you. But a, a couple of observations that I made, um, principles in learning what it looks like to discern God's leading. Uh, number one, choose the right posture. Choose the right posture. Choose the right position. Um, some of you don't know nothing about those old school um, black and white televisions with those, those rabbit ear antennas. Some of you just haven't experienced that. And if you have, by the way, I need you to back me up so people know I'm not lying, especially my, my kids, that this is a real thing. Um, listen, you, you didn't just have bunny ears on these TVs, but if those antennas, those bunny ears weren't facing in the right direction, given the temperature outside and, 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 and the, the weather forecast, you were not going to get a clear picture on your screen. Man, I miss those days. Um, I remember as a teenager, one time uh, I found this tiny uh, black and white TV uh, on the, the side of the road somewhere. Somebody was getting rid of it. And so I thought, I'm going to rescue it, take it to my house, which I did and quickly found out why they were getting rid of it. But on the right day, if I stood it in just the right place, at just the right angle, and held those two antennae pointing in just the right direction, I could barely discern a scrambled picture on my TV, except that I was standing in too awkward a position to be able to enjoy anything that was on the, the TV. But, you know, as I read this, I don't know why this picture came back to mind. This is kind of like what Paul is describing when it comes to knowing what God wants. If you're going to get a more clear picture of what God wants for your life, you're going to have to get in the right position, the right posture. And Paul calls this position, which often feels incredibly awkward, complete surrender. Complete surrender. Look again at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's just another way of describing complete surrender, living in a posture of complete surrender. You want to discern what God wants for your days. 
It starts with a daily practice of laying your life at his feet and saying it is all yours. Do with it as you please. No disclaimers, no conditions. If I'm alive, this life is yours. Complete surrender. Paul calls it a living sacrifice. Um, I want to know what God wants for my life. Paul says it starts by acknowledging it's not actually my life. It's your life, God, and I lay it down at your feet. And I want to learn to live in that posture of complete surrender. And I'm just asking, would you say that is the posture in which you live? If you woke me up with life, I hand my life over to you. I bring my dreams, I bring my desires, I bring my plans, I bring my disappointments, I bring my rights, and I lay them at your feet. They are yours to do with as you please. Oh, are you still kind of living like, you know, the old John Bon Jovi song. It's my life. It's, it's now or never. I ain't gonna live forever. Listen, life, it's kind of like an open highway. Like Frankie said, I did things my way. I just want to live while I'm alive. Are you still living, clinging onto your rights? Are you still living with your five-year plan as the master plan? Or are you in the right posture, the posture of complete surrender? To God, are you open to him completely interrupting whatever your plans were for the day? Are you open to him completely interrupting whatever your plans were for the year, for the next five years? Laying those at his feet and saying, do as you please. Listen, you will not be the person who clearly discerns what God wants in your life. If you are not the person who gives him full rights to the life that is technically his anyway. By the way, I've got to say this really quickly because this isn't some fine print. This isn't some addition. You know, Paul included this, you know, afterwards, you know, threw this in to the equation of Christianity. No, this has been true from the moment you said yes to the person of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to call him Lord. In fact, these are the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. It is not about you and take up their cross, that is being a living sacrifice. It is this act of dying to my own rights, dying to my own agenda, dying to my own plans. He says, do this every day and then follow me. 
That's what it looks like. That's what it actually means to be a disciple. Whatever we have reinterpreted following Jesus to look like. It means living in this posture of complete surrender. Jesus has been telling us from the start, I want nothing less than complete surrender. I'm not particularly interested in the segments of life that feel convenient for you to hand over to me for a couple of hours. I'm not particularly interested in you giving me a day every now and then. I want the whole thing or nothing at all. This is what it is always meant to follow. Jesus. Man, if you're like me, sometimes we, we treat Jesus like the the needy friend who's just so glad that we included him. I mean, we talk like this sometimes. We, 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 we act like this sometimes. So thankful that we gave him a couple of minutes of our day. Like Jesus is super flattered that we read just a few verses of his scripture. Like he's just groveling with gratitude you know thank you so much with all the things you could have been doing with your time thank you that you found it in your heart to give me a few of those and i think sometimes we view jesus as this flattered friend um as a super relieved clingy and needy person who's just grateful to take anything we are willing to give him jesus is like no it is all or nothing i am either lord of all I'm not your Lord at all. This has been true from the start. I'm just asking, do you crown him as your king every day? Is he in charge of it all? Is he the one who gets to call the shots? Because we want to be led by Jesus. And what Paul would say to us, Jesus will not lead what he is not Lord over. We want Jesus to give us directions for our lives. And Paul would say, Jesus does not direct what he does not drive. Get out of the driver's seat. Give him his rightful place. Crown him king of your life. You want the then? When you can learn to discern his voice, Paul would say, choose the right posture of surrender. There are no shortcuts. Show me somebody who's following Jesus, laying down their lives on a daily basis. And I'll show you someone who is deciphering and discerning and able to recognize his voice in the midst of all the chaos. And I don't know about you, but I am hungry to see that in my own life. And I'm hungry to see a movement of that in the church. I fear there is a famine of the voice of Jesus in the church of Jesus because there's a famine of surrender. We are so obsessed with clinging onto control and clinging onto our plans and clinging onto our rights. And we wonder why we are arguing about what's right, what's not, who's supposed to do what, what are we supposed to do with this? And the confusion turns into chaos and division in the context of the church. Paul would say, come on, y'all, choose the right posture. Choose the right posture. Then Paul gives a, a, another principle. 
choose the right posture. And I think he would say, chase the right goal. Chase the right goal. Um, one of the most unsettling things in this season is the uncertainty of, of the future. Like, where on earth are things going? And what on earth is coming next? Remember the days when we used to have some semblance of an idea of what next week might look like? Remember those days back in the day, the BC days? That feels like a distant memory. Our inability to plan is the new order of the day and it feels rattling to us. And I think Paul would say, you know what? Uh, now is actually a great opportunity to learn to chase the right goal. Again, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, here's what he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then. There's that then. What then? The then when we learn to discern the voice of God. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is powerful. There is a time when I'll be able to discern God's path for my life, regardless of the season. When? Paul says, when I'm in a place of experiencing transformation. See, I want to talk about where I'm going next. <laughs> Heaven wants to talk about who I'm becoming now. Transformation. Chase the right goal. God is less concerned with your destination and he is far more concerned with your transformation. Who are you becoming? Paul would say, chase the right goal. Um, man, this whole COVID season is, has messed with that sense of plans and where we're going. And Paul would say, great time to focus on a better goal. Not where are you going, but who are you becoming? That's what matters more to God. Who are you becoming as a person? Transformation. And I'm just asking, are you more are you more stressed out about where things are going and what's happening next? Or about who you are becoming in the midst of all of this? Hint. Heaven is more concerned with who you're becoming in the middle of it all. Chase the right goal. Are you more concerned with whether or not your kids are going back to school? Or are you more concerned about who your kids are becoming as people? Paul would say, 
chase the right goal? Are you more concerned about whether or not we'll be able to fully re-engage church the way we once did? Or are you more concerned about who the church is becoming in this season? Paul would say chase the right goal. And the goal, y'all, is to look more like Jesus. That's the goal. By the way, that has always been the goal. That is not some fine print that Paul thought he would insert into this whole equation called Christianity. His goal has always been to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. Chase the right goal. Things may go back to normal. Things may not go back to normal. I don't know. But I refuse to be the same when whatever happens, happens. Help me to look more like Jesus through all of this. Chase the right goal. I may or I may not realize my five-year plan. I may or may not see my portfolio return to the ideal place I want it to be. I may or may not move towards the retirement plan that I've always had. But heaven in the midst of all of this, help me to look a little bit more like Jesus. Chase the right goal. I'm not trying to chase an American dream. I have a dream far loftier than that. I'm after heaven's dream, the dream of making me more like the person of Jesus Christ, regardless of the season, regardless of what may or may not happen next. Chase the right goal. Transformation. And I'm just asking, is there a deepening obsession in you to look more like Jesus, to think more like Jesus, to respond more like Jesus? Are you seeing evidence of the fingerprints and the mark of Jesus in your life? Come on, are your kids accusing you of reminding them of someone in your patience, in your response to them. Come on, are your co-workers saying, oh, there is something a little bit different about you than might have been true when this whole pandemic started? I see a deeper humility in you. Would your Wi-Fi at home say, yeah, you... You've been using me a little bit more like Jesus would. Would your grudges say, yeah, you hold me a little bit more like Jesus would hold a grudge? Which is incredibly loosely. Are you coming back to the gospel of what Jesus did for you on the cross? to make it fully possible for you to look like him, to live like him. Listen, Jesus' death and resurrection is what opens the portals of heaven to give us the power to look like him, to be transformed by him. And as we gaze at his glory and as we gaze on his face and as we return to the cross and what he's done, we will find ourselves starting to look more and more like him if in fact we are chasing 
the right goal? Are you coming back daily to look at, at his transforming word, which is the power that changes us? And again, there is a, a famine of transformation in the church. Why? Because what we are gazing at the most, headlines, drama, controversy, social media, instead of the gospel, instead of the cross, instead of his word, instead of the, the, the places where we are actually transformed into the likeness of Jesus from glory to glory to glory. Chase the right goal. Are you talking about wanting to hear his whisper? And yet you're not spending in his time in his word, a place in which he's constantly shouting. Chase the right goal. I just felt impressed with the fact that we are arguing about so many things and we are so confused about so many things and we are so uncertain about so many things and yet you open this book and Paul says there is actually a then. There is a then when his church is able to, to distinguish his voice in the midst of all the chaos and live led by him and I'm saying don't you want in on that? And if that's true for you, then here's my dare for the week. Start your days for the next week with a statement and a request. Start every day with a statement and a request. The statement, my life is yours. Just that simple statement, my life is yours. Why? Because I want to start my day in the right posture, the posture of surrender. And by the way, feel free to, to, to redeclare that throughout the course of the day. In fact, feel free to redeclare it over every area of your life that you can think, my family is yours. This home is yours. This car is yours. This anxiety is yours. I'm just going to lay out everything I possibly can at your feet. It's yours. But begin your day by making the declaration, my life is yours. And by making a request, make me more like Jesus. Don't make me more correct on social media. <laughs> Don't make me more worked up about the political climate. Make me more like Jesus today. Come on, I dare you. A statement and a request. My life is yours. Make me more like Jesus. And see if it doesn't even this week start to move you to the when of starting to decipher God's voice in the midst of all the chaos. Are you open to that? Father, I pray that you would awaken in us a desire to know what's most pleasing to you. And I pray that you would give us the courage to lay our lives down on a daily basis to get in the right posture and that you'd give us the courage to ask you to transform us and to make us more like Jesus, to chase the right goal. 
It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.